Hello, my name is Nick, and I'm here with my co-host James. And we're coming to you from Wildcape Photography Studios. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the Long Island Duck tryouts, Sugarland signing a big name free agent, a new name for an old stadium in the Frontier League, and how Marshall University could be the key to indie ball in the Mountain State. So grab a bat and step into the batter's box, because you're listening to the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Back at it again. Back. Done with the first month of shows. Yeah, first month, all done. And it's actually going pretty good. Going great. I want uh, to thank everybody for their support. Yep, definitely like to thank people for the support. Much appreciate both on social media and just supporting the uh, actual show itself. Yep, absolutely. Yep, and so we just got some uh, some little housekeeping bits to take care of like we do every week, and then we'll jump right into the show. Uh, first thing on the agenda is on our last week's show, we do understand... There was a bit of an outage on Sunday. A little bit of a power outage. Yep, so the issue with that, just to clear up any sort of confusion on that situation, was on Sunday several of the servers on Podomatic, who is our RSS host, so they host the feed that gets everybody else to show. They had a problem on about 13% of the servers they have that made them go down, so a lot of the shows that were hosted on that particular network were unavailable for that time. I do believe that Spotify stayed up, and iTunes stayed up for whatever reason. I don't really know, but they did. So we will hopefully not have an issue like that again, but just making it clear, that was not an us issue. That was a Potomatic issue, and well, we got resolved quick enough. We were only out one day. Obviously, it cuts into the numbers, and we hate that people were inconvenienced by it, but not much we could really do on that front. So. Yeah, not much to do there, obviously. Um, we'll address any of those issues as they come up, but we don't foresee anything uh, like that in the future. Should be smooth sailing from here on out. Exactly. If it keeps happening, then we'll make a change. Absolutely, yep. So, from there, um, I want to just quickly talk about the YouTube version. That went up late the night before we recorded this, so about two nights ago when you're hearing it, if you're listening to the day this comes out. I'm honestly thinking that the YouTube version just isn't something I'd like to continue doing, just because I don't see it as uh, that much of a positive. I think it's kind of a... I don't want to say it's a wasted effort, because people do listen to it on the YouTube version. But at the same time, I think that effort could, have been, could be put uh, to better uses. You know? Yeah, probably, uh, you know, better uses. <clears throat> you know, obviously, we'd like to hear uh, fan input. So if anybody uh, wants to let us know if they like the YouTube version, uh, they can certainly reach out and do that. But, yeah, I think you're right. In, in terms of listens, we obviously get more from Potomatic than YouTube. Exactly. So, and that's a podcast. It's not a a web show. There will be other content that goes up on that channel, right. especially coming soon as we start getting into the season. We're going to have actual league breakdowns on this show, but on the YouTube version where you hope to go more in-depth into actual team breakdowns, maybe spotlighting a few players, things like that. Maybe some interviews, possibly. Yep, possibly we'd like to get that done, too, and we're working on that. Yep. But at the same time, podcasts are an audio platform. So it's better off that you're listening on iTunes, on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, you know, all the places we're on. So for that reason, I think we're going to slow down on the YouTube version, maybe occasionally if it's a big show or it's something that requires like a lot of visualization. So if we're talking about breaking something down or like when we do the leaked previews, that may be a version that goes up on YouTube just because it'll be easier to see some of the things we're talking about on that. Right. So that's the plan there. So YouTube versions are going to stop. Uh, last week's episode is up there. 
as well as the week before's episodes on there. So episode two and three are on YouTube. Going forward, like I said, only special events will be on there, as well as other content. So moving from there, article this week is coming up. Yep, so this week's article is coming soon. Uh, there's a couple of creative snags I hit uh, on doing our article. It will be on the Can-Am League again, but this week is going to be more focused on the Canadian side of that Can-Am League. Um, so we're looking forward to getting that out, but obviously a little bit of a snag in the creative process. want to make sure I can deliver the best product uh, necessary for, for all of our uh, viewers. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to rush something out that's not very good. Yep. I mean, like I know a couple times we've had to re-record episodes that we put out because we just weren't happy with the product. Yep. So you want to make sure you like what you're putting out there, otherwise you're better off just not putting it out at all. So there will be, so that article's coming up, it'll probably be out either the day this episode goes up or the day after. It'll yep. just really depend on uh, traffic flow. Yep, either Saturday or Sunday. So look forward to that. Then uh, just the last item we got here on the list, uh, the polls. So last week we asked you, would you prefer to have Twitter polls or the polls on the website? That tally ended at exactly 50-50 on the Twitter poll I put up for that, so very decisive on that. <laughs> the tiebreaker here for me on what I'm going to do is the fact that the polls on the actual website didn't get any votes, so that tells me people don't want to have to go to the website, go to the polls, and do all that. So the plan for now is to just go with Twitter polls. Uh, we may eventually go ahead and put more polls up on the site. However, that's flexible right now, so we're going to make the shift over to Twitter polls. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good move. Obviously, a lot easier uh, for everyone to, to kind of do that stuff. So. Exactly. It's much more accessible. Obviously, some people don't have Twitter or don't, don't like doing things on social media, so that's what I'm saying. I may go ahead and put website polls still up there, just they may be up a little bit after the Twitter polls are up. Yep. So, because we want to get more fan input, we want more fan interaction than we're having right now. Although there is some, we'd like to go ahead and kind of spike that number up. So that way we know what you want us to talk about. Yeah, we'd love questions. Uh, anything you have that we want to talk about, we'll definitely be happy to address it. Um, or even, you know, maybe have a couple of fans call in. Um, and we'd be happy to do that as well if you had something you really want to get off your chest. <laughs> that and, or just even suggestions and critiques about the show. Like, we want to know what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? So that way we can kind of adjust as we go along. Because keep in mind, we're only four episodes in. So nothing's set in stone right now. We'd like to yep. go ahead and, you know, mold it to what you guys want. Because it's all about you guys listening. We enjoy doing the show, but we want to make sure you enjoy listening to the show. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. Absolutely. So with that being said, uh, the social media that the polls will be on is Twitter. But you can also find us on Instagram, as well as all the other podcatchers I listed just a few minutes ago. And so with that, just a little bit of a shameless plug. We're going to dive right into our first topic of the day, which is Long Island's Twitter, or not Twitter situation. They don't have one of those. They do have a training camp situation that's going on right now. The basic uh, breakdown of this situation, uh, they will have open trials for their team on April 13th. And that's only about 13 days before their opening day, 12 days before the King, or not Canada, the Atlantic League opening day. Uh, those trials will start at 9 and they'll have the Ducks staff present. They did this last year too. Seven guys were signed to the league, and one guy in particular, uh, Jason Creasy, wound up with a major league contract out of it with the Diamondbacks. So it seems like a very good thing that they're doing. It definitely seems like they encourage that kind of interaction and that, that kind of building gives guys a shot. They may not have been able to get to Florida for the whole Atlantic League showcase, which is taking place in the end of March. And it seems like something that could be uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good thing. Uh, anytime you can get as many guys as possible the opportunity, because oftentimes some, some things that are missing are just the opportunity. 
You know, sometimes all a guy needs is a couple of a couple of at bats in a simulated game to show you that he can actually do it at, at that level. Yep. And thing that you mentioned, simulated game. So, all the specifics of how the day is going to break down the whole itinerary agenda, however you like to call it, is available on the website. But uh, I believe it's eight thirty. You're going to get everybody there. It lists everything you need. And at noon, they're going to have a scrimmage game. But not everybody is going to be invited to that. There's only going to be specific guys picked out. My guess is, depending on how many people turn out, they'll probably pick two rosters full. Yeah, probably two rosters full. That makes sense. Yeah, that or they'll pick, like, say, six pitchers aside. Uh, you know, obviously the nine other guys that are going to be batting and then probably, like, three or four guys from the bench. So, like you're saying, it's going to be a simulated game that only the top are going to get invited to. Yep. I imagine they're going to get some people from this. I definitely think they're going to get some people from this. They did last year. It's a, it's a great opportunity for guys to just be able to go in there and, and really play some baseball, you know, and show scouts on a on-field level. Sometimes you get lost when it's, you know, shorts and training camp and everyone's just swinging in the batting cage. It's a lot different than on-field baseball drills. Some some guys are just gamers, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's hard to go ahead and be showing all your skills or just basic drills like a 40-yard dash, or just throwing drills, batting drills. When you're in the flow of a game, it becomes a lot easier, because you're just able to get into that mindset. And you know, okay, it's not, I only have so many pitchers here to do something, I only have so many grounders to field till I do something. It's easier to get flowing, it's easier to get going with that. Yeah, and, that, and your competitive spirit comes out a little bit more once you're actually on the diamond and, you know, playing baseball. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I mentioned that, but the thing I'm kind of interested to see here is if you're going to see college guys go off to the team and then go, after my season's over, I'd like to join the team. Because they'll still have about, if it's happening on the 13th, about two, three weeks left in their season, probably, until they could join the team. Or they'd have to give up their eligibility, I'd imagine. Yeah. Right, yeah. I don't I don't know if uh, what, what the, the the NCAA regulation would be on that. Um, I think they would, being that it is a professional league and they'd be being paid, I would imagine they wouldn't be allowed. Right, they probably wouldn't be allowed, but what I'm saying is yeah. I don't know if they could even try out. Um, that could violate NCAA regulations. Very well. well. Yeah, it could. I'm, I don't see. See, the NCAA is a very difficult. Thing. Oh yeah, undoubtedly. Just because, and we'll talk about them later on in the last segment because it involves college. You never really know what's allowed and what's not allowed with them. Yeah. Certain things are okay when they don't look like they would be, and certain things that should be okay just aren't. So it's a very, it's a very difficult thing, you know. Make sure you're not signing any autographs, kids. <laughs> Yeah, and also check your sneakers at home. <laughs> yeah, really? Be very careful about your sneakers. They may just fall apart one day. They just explode on you. I know, yeah, make one cut move and then there you go. So, just wrapping this up, uh, like I said, all the avail- all details are available on the Long Island site. The exact link will be in our show notes, so you can go to, the web- go to www.indieball.com, click the little show notes tab at the top of the page, and then it will be right there. Just got to scroll down to episode 4 whatever we wind up titling this. And the show notes will all be in the box right there. Just got to find the link, either click on it or just copy and paste it right into your address bar. And in case you're planning on heading out to to try out for the Ducks or just in the Atlantic League in general, because I'm sure guys like Wally Backman, Lou Ford, coaches on the team, their GM, if they see a guy they like, but they just don't have a place for him on the team for whatever reason, I'm sure they'll go ahead and give a call around because this is the kind of thing where a rising tide lifts all ships. Yep, absolutely. You don't want to go ahead and, if you want the league to succeed, you know. Yeah, definitely. That's obviously how it is. If you're planning on going out, it will cost you $95 if you register before the day of, 110 if you just show up on day of. So we'll run you about 15 bucks more, but, you know, 
It is what it is. And definitely worth it. If you're trying to get your uh, shot, I would definitely say go for it. Yeah, but yeah, nothing to lose here. So sticking in the Atlantic League, we head now to Sugarland, Texas, for about the third time in three weeks. <laughs> Sugarland, we love you on this show. Let's just say that. I mean, like, they, they run a good ship. Plus, the thing I really appreciate about them, they keep making news. And yeah, I really do. like that. It makes my job extremely easy. <laughs> so that's one of my go-to spots now. It's when I'm looking for stories and stuff, because we're in that kind of dead period now where we don't have, like, these trial camps yet to report on. Right, yeah. Most of the big stories have already been released in, like, December, January, so even before we started doing this. So now the time's passed on reporting on them. So you just got a bunch of little transaction moves, and although we're about to cover one of these transaction moves, so it may seem a bit uh, hypocritical, to report on every transaction... It drags because it's, it's right. not exactly easy. Like, we're about to talk about how Mark Lowe, the longtime LP veteran, signed with Sugarland, and we've talked about how James Loney signed with him, how uh, Pedro Siaco signed with uh, the Miners. North Miners, yep. So, it's, you're able to talk about that. Yep. Because there's something you could do there. There's a story with each one of them. But if you want to talk about other guys, even other major leagues, like Seth Manis, I saw he signed the other day. Yeah, he did, yeah. Cody, St- Cody Stanley. It's very difficult to do that. It just is, because yeah. there's not much actual tape on them, there's not much stat line for them, it's just... Yeah, I mean, Mark Lowe's been around forever. He's a guy that we can, you know, we're going to talk about for, for a good little bit here, uh, because he's been around forever. Everybody knows, I mean, uh, most people will, will recognize at least his name, you know? Exactly. So, he's known plus a lot of guys that are being signed traded. They just have independent league ball experience. So, not only is tracking down their stats hard, and as we've discussed previously... It's kind of shaky as to what's good and what's not, depending on the intern that was keeping track that day. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a challenge to just come up with talking about them, because there's not going to be any film to watch on if to go ahead and gauge for yourself. It's not like everybody knows them. I'm sure I don't know a lot of the players that play in the Frontier League and the Atlantic League. Right. Or yeah. not the Atlantic League, but the uh, American, American Association. Association. Yeah. I, I more know the East Coast teams, so Atlantic League and Can-Am. So it's just, it's difficult to talk about. Yep. In any case, so let's dive into Mark Lowe now, finally. So, career numbers. 29 wins, 47 losses, a 4.44 ERA, 40 saves in 23 starts, and 732 innings. And those are his major league numbers. He is a right-handed pitcher. He is 35 years old with 11 years of major league baseball experience. Seattle, Texas, Angels, Indians, Blue Jays, and Detroit Tigers. He seems like a solid sign for Sugarland. No doubt. I mean, Tyler Stem's been doing a lot of work there. He has, yeah. I mean, between him and James Looney, he's definitely putting together a bit of an older team. Yeah, a little bit older. If he's 35, Looney's at least 31. Yep. So you're getting older guys here, which seemingly wouldn't need to turn into independent league ball. You think they could catch on. But my assumption is teams may be offering them like a minor league deal without the invite to spring training. Right. So, if you're looking at it, you go, well, I could go ahead and start in the minors and hopefully work my way up. Or I could start indie ball. It pays less, yes, but I'm going to get more time. I'm going to get more reps here. I'm not going to be against the clock as much. So, maybe by end of May, beginning of June, I could possibly get on a roster. Well, and also the other thing, yeah, absolutely. The other thing with indie ball is is that they're not beholden to, uh, you know, bringing up prospects as much as in, you know, yeah, that's another affiliated thing. ball. And affiliated ball, you know, it's going to be the uh, the prospect who's always going to get the first look over the veteran. Uh, so I think that's why these guys go to Indie League Ball and wind up, you know, a lot of times wind up getting re-signed, getting another opportunity at least somewhere, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, that's another thing that's actually big, too. Especially if you're a pitcher, you're going to be putting miles on that arm. 
and odds are if you don't want to put those miles on in a system where you're not going to be getting the high leverage situation. You're going to get the, the kind of dump off innings where it's just, we need you to eat five innings today. Yeah, that's all, that's all you would be on a mile league roster is just an innings eater, uh, somewhere. Exactly. So I assume he wants to get that opportunity there. In case you're wondering where he spent last year, kind of conflicting here. When I looked him up in the article that we do have reference from Chico and site, it, it said he had spent last year with Charlotte, the AAA affiliate of White Sox. However, when I looked it up on, like, just as a general Google search and then went to Wikipedia, it said he was with the Dodgers organization last year and that he was only with the White Sox in 2017. So I'm not sure if that was just a cross-referencing thing, if it's just a problem on Wikipedia side. I'm not sure what that is. In any case, he was a AAA player last year. So I guess doing it twice when you're in your mid-30s, kind of at the end of your career is also not, just not appealing. Yeah, definitely, you know, definitely probably not something that's appealing. And also I think there's a charm to independent league baseball. I think the guys that are playing independent league baseball are playing for the love of the game. Um, mm. I think there's something really... They're not paying for the play. Right, yeah, they're not, not for the pay, I'll tell you that. And, and, and so, and I think that you know, when you're playing with guys that really love the game like that, there's something special there. And I think, you know, older older veterans who may be at the end of their careers, they really can appreciate that. And I still think he has a lot to offer uh, to, to, to the Skeeters, and I think it's going to be a good pickup for them. When you get that much uh, experience in terms of pitching, it can really help you down the stretch and in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think it's going to serve similar to like a Matt Latos role with the Jackals last year. I think he's going to be kind of the guy that you expect to do better than he actually does, just because the way Indy Ball is, it's far more of an offense game, not a reflection on his pitching. I think he's still going to pitch very well. It's just, when you have a 4 ERA in Indy Ball, it's like having a 3 or a 2.75 in right. affiliated ball. It's a major difference there. Definitely, and, and uh, you know, hopefully he won't start any brawls like Matt Latos. <laughs> to be fair, if you watch that thing, Latos was somewhat justified. He, he actually was, yeah. He, to, to give Latos, uh, you know, some have a little bit of a pass there, he definitely was justified in that. You know, he, there was the shenanigans there. But in any case, but it's funny that you mentioned playing for the love of the game and coming back to the charm, because he is, in fact, a Houston native, which is not ah. far from Sugarland. And, in fact, he went to high school in Sugarland. Ah, coming back home. Yep, and he went to college at the University of Texas at Arlington. So he's a Texas guy. Well, he played for the Rangers, too. So, I mean, he's definitely a Texas guy at heart. I think it's almost, okay, if it doesn't work out, I can at least end it playing in front of, like, the people that support me, the people that got me here. Yep, that, and that, that's really cool. That's a really cool story. And I, and I think that there's just being able to be, a, you know, in his hometown and things like that will be great for him. Yeah, no, I th- I'm definitely interested to see how that works out because that could be a very good storyline either way. Yeah. Either, you know, the, the big league veteran comes around for one last shot, like a Ricky Henderson type. Yep. And either it doesn't work out like Ricky and he gets to go off in front of the hometown or it works out and he gets another shot at trying to do something. Now, I'm not sure if it'll be with, like, a actual contender, like, say, the Red Sox or the Astros, or if it'll be more like a Orioles or a Padres. The Reds or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something. Well, the Reds are trying to go for it. They are. a dumb idea. <laughs> they, uh, they're in the same division as the Cubs, so you're not winning that much as a standard. And you're probably not getting a wild card, because the two wild cards are probably coming out of the NL East. Yeah, well. There's just four teams that can win that division. Yeah, there are, yep. So, that's all we have to say on Mark Lowe. Interesting to see how that goes, and the whole storyline on that. It's a bit earlier than normal, being that we're only about the 20-minute mark here. However, I think it's a nice, natural separation to go ahead, do the seventh-inning stretch now, being that the last half is all about stadiums. So, let's touch back around on the Zion and that shoe. Oh, no. I want to know, 
what does how does that happen? But uh, here's the thing that that's so interesting to me is, is obviously so Nike shares they went down mm. uh, after this, and so I, I think Nike now he Nike absolutely has to sign Zion Williamson like absolutely oh. they just have to because if they don't it's Nike's product they they you know they they got me hurt Nike's product got me hurt so now I, I'm gonna go to Adidas or Under Armour oh that'll be it I mean oh like, I don't think there's any way it ends with that with Nike. Why no, would no. you? I think he, he has to sign with Nike. He I think the last two games, one of them's one of the biggest games of the year for Duke. I think Nike has to. I think Nike has to find a way to sign him, or their brand is going to be hurt really bad by this. To be fair, though, Nike's not really hurt by anything. True, fair enough. I mean, like you had people burning their Nike stuff in the street because they had Kaepernick in an ad. Well, that that and, was different. You know, that's political. I know. Yeah, I don't like to get political on the show here, but you saw like how you think, oh, well, that's going to be a big backlash and stuff. It didn't do anything. The one shop in Denver that said, I'm not selling Nike stuff, he went out of business in three months for not selling Nike. Right, but the difference was there that those Nike, the Nike shares went up after the Kaepernick ad. Not, and that this is bad press. Uh, the shares went down there. So I think in the long run, it, it certainly, obviously, it's not going to do too much to Nike's bottom line. But I think, you know, marketing standpoint wise, that if they can sign Zion Williamson at Nike, that would be, that'd be really Oh, great. it would help him. I mean, obviously, again, the guy's gonna probably be either number one, number two, or number three overall. Oh, yeah. Depending on how much people call you that knee injury, he's gonna help your brain. I mean, depending anyway. on how serious the knee injury exactly, is. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's only a sprain, supposedly. So yeah. it's not, it's not bad. I think he's being kept out of the Syracuse game this weekend, just as a precaution thing, which, it, so I don't really imagine that's gonna be a big deal. I think that's more or less a we don't need him to beat Syracuse, which if right. it goes any way like the Carolina game, yes, you do need him to beat yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, you probably do need him to beat Syracuse, but still. Yeah, so plus Syracuse just got a big win off of Louisville, so that would be an interesting game. In any case, uh, that's going to be something interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, I really do believe that, um, you know, Zion is, is a generational talent. It seems like that. Right. Uh, and so... You know, to have that happen on national TV, I, mean, I was watching, you were watching, I think mean, everyone was watching. To have that happen on a big stage, one of the biggest games, like you said, for Duke of the Year, that was really, uh, that was really difficult to watch, you know? You know, as a Duke fan, losing to Carolina is not fun. No. I don't like losing to Carolina. The thought of losing to Carolina camera is terrible. And I only want to see them win now when they go to Carolina and win. That's just what's going to have to happen. However, watching Zion, the one thing I am concerned about when he does go to the NBA at the end, at the end of the year is his outside shooting. He doesn't shoot well from outside. Yeah, no, he doesn't. And in the modern build of the NBA, where it's being a stretch four in being able to shoot, if you're not able to shoot, you're kind of dead in the water. That's concerned me. I think he's able to adapt. Yeah, I think he's able to adapt. I mean, you know, LeBron James wasn't a great shooter when he came out. Um, and Ben Simmons is still a pretty terrible shooter from the outside, so I think, you know, I think it'll be okay, uh, in the long run. I, he just has to continue to develop and get better. Yeah. For his sake, I hope he just doesn't go to, like, a huge market like New York, yeah. just because he's not gonna be good shooting that first year. I think he's the kind of guy where he has the most upside. He definitely can be that generational talent that's going to just light everyone on fire, because he's like that in the paint. Oh, you no get doubt. him in yeah. the paint, he's going to score. You go in the paint with him, you're not going to score. Right. He's that kind of an elite player. It's just he's going to take a year or two to really start to develop the shooting to a passable level, I think, at least at the NBA game. Yeah. Because he has the athleticism. He has freak athleticism. Like, for his body, you think... Oh, unbelievable. Like, being 6'9 and 283, or however tall and heavy he is, to be that quick and that agile and just to do the things he does is just 
ridiculous. Oh yeah, he's built like a Mack truck. It's unbelievable. You know, any other like I imagine playing football and being a tight end. Oh, that would be um, yeah. He, he he'd would be, be a G- Hall of Fame tight end. Uh, yeah, he'd be Jimmy Graham. He'd be like a better. better. <laughs> Jimmy Graham would be a poor man's Zion. Yeah, that's yeah, what it would yeah, be. You're right. He's just that kind of an elite level player. There. I'm. That's why I hope he goes to a smaller market that's picking at the top of the board. I don't really follow the NBA that much. I'm not really sure who's you know at the top there. I know the Knicks are obviously tanking. They're not very good at all. Chicago might be in the in the mix as well for him. Yeah, but how much is Chicago going to jump on? Obviously not as much as New York. New York will jump on him the second he starts missing. The, se- the night he goes 0 for 4 from 3 is the night he's going to get just destroyed. Just booed, yeah. And it's going to be, well, that if you watched his game in college, he didn't shoot 3. Right, yeah. Because he would give him the ball down low and just tell him, be a wrecking ball, and he'd probably get fouled on the way down there. Yeah. He was the only way to defend him. That's the thing I'm concerned about. Yep. But, you know, kind of just a segue quickly, though. I'm wondering, if because every week we do wind up talking about AAF a bit. Right. Because it is it's entertaining football to watch. It is, no doubt. I'm wondering if we should just sit, like, kind of spin that off to its own kind of segment. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how much people actually, like, enjoy listening to it. Like, just make it a segment at the end of the show. Then yeah. something for the audience to answer to. Like, do you Yeah, definitely. To- do you want a segment so that way you don't have to, in the middle of the podcast, you're just talking about football if you don't care about it? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good idea. You know, let us know on, on Twitter or on Instagram uh, if you would rather do, listen, listen to a little AAF segment at the end or a little seventh inning stretch segment uh, at the end as opposed to in the middle. Okay, it's just like a lot of stuff I want to talk about, like especially with District of Thumb and giving them all that money and whatnot. Yeah. And also, X, XFL stuff's coming up soon, too. It is, yeah. So, I, well, eventually I'm going to talk about that. I mean, obviously right now they're announcing head coaches and that's it. Yeah, that's not that, you know, that's not that like, uh, gripping. Exactly. Like, cool, you got Bob Stoops and Dallas and Pep Hamilton in uh, Washington. And supposedly Jim Zorn's going to Seattle, which as a Redskins fan, not happy about Jim Zorn because I don't like Jim Zorn. Yeah, no, let us know about the AAF segment. Yeah, let us know about the AAF segment. That would be very, very interesting. We'd, we'd love to do it. I think, like you said, it's great football. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's, it's real football. I mean, there's, there's some good, really good hits we're seeing there. And also, I think it, it's still pretty safe. But there hasn't been too many, you know, catastrophic injuries. Uh, but I think it's yeah, I've taken in Davis. That's about it. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's, it's going very well. Uh, obviously, there was a little, you know, hiccup with mm. uh, money uh, transactions, but... You know, and that's a whole other thing here, which I just want to quickly just say, to all the XFL fans, because I saw online a lot of the XFL fans were jumping on the AAF and all this, why do you care? Right, yeah. The end goal should be for more spring leagues. You want more football. You should want them to succeed. Like, Yeah, never root for failure. That's terrible. Like, how miserable do you have to be Come to on. be angry? Yeah, you have, you're angry at somebody else's success. Going, <laughs> huh, we knew it was going to fail. Well, well, it didn't fail. We knew it was going to be, they're already on the verge of it. It's like, you do understand. Your league has yet to even kick off yet. You understand this, correct? So that's the thing. They're always they're trying to make it into like some sort of award thing, where it's like the old like wrestling days, or WCW I think it was. Yep. Versus the WWF. That implies they're both fighting for the same thing. Well, it's like the XFL wants to be like a USFL. Yeah. The AF wants to be the G League for the NFL. They're two different things. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the USFL, that's not a good model to uh, to to replicate. You know, and, and you know certainly at the end there. Well, to be fair. Part of the problem with that is there was the group of volunteers that we need to move to the fall. Right, and then the problem. Yeah, and then try to be absorbed into the NFL. If they would have stayed in the spring, they would have been fine. Because they had, like, Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, Steve Young. They had guys that that would be stars. It's just a matter of they 
they thought too high of themselves. Absolutely, yep. They thought who they were. That's the problem with it. Uh, anything else we want to touch on quickly before we dive into the wonderful world of stadiums? No, I think I think I, I think I'm stretched. I think I've seventh inning stretched out. I'm, I'm all stretched out. I'm ready to go for the stadiums. I'm right. ready to rock. All right, and let's head to the second half of this and dive into the Windy City Thunderbolts and the new name of their 20-year-old stadium. So it was a it's gone through a couple of name changes. This is the third name change in about 20 years. Uh, I believe it was something like Hawk Harrelson Field to begin with. However, then a couple of years ago, it was named Standard Bank Field. Standard Bank, yep. I believe that was in 06 it was named that. And then just this week, it was renamed, and I'm probably going to butcher this, Zynga Field. It's what a name! It's a five-year agreement for the naming rights on it. Ozinga is kind of like a construction type company in the sense that they sell construction materials and things like that. Okay, all right. So they sell like concrete, uh, gravel, uh, things that are generally like that. They also kind of have like a bunch of truck stop gas station type things. Oh, do they? Yeah, a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, mainly centered around, as one may guess, Chicago and the Midwest region, like the whole Great Lakes area. Yep. So, it's a bigger name for them. Uh, I think it's a solid investment, naming a ballpark normally is. Oh, yeah, I definitely. I mean, I think uh, any smart business owner who has the opportunity to get the, the name on, on naming rights on anything, any type of ballpark, but especially a baseball field. I mean, think about it. Um, Key Bank Ballpark in, in Somerset, that, that's such a great name, such a great field. Uh, you know, and, and that's everyone knows it. Everybody, like, everybody in the Northeast Corridor, uh, you know, really has a good idea of what it is. And I, I think that's very... Uh, very telling of what this can do for brands and companies. And plus, Ballpark Dice just named Heat Bank one of the top uh, ballparks of the year there, yep. too. And it seems like a solid investment, too, when you're investing in someone that's like a pretty stable thing here. Like, obviously, uh, as we've talked on it before, some teams have that kind of a shaky ground, like uh, the Martinez Clippers at the moment. They're kind of <laughs> up in the air, like we discussed last week. Yeah. But when you have the Thunderbolts here, who've been around 20 years this year, celebrating their 20th year now. It seems like a pretty safe investment here. You know what they are. They're a pretty safe entity. And really, the only question I want to know here is, why would you just change the name? Was it just the name rates ended up and it was just kind of mutually agreed, okay, we're just going to part ways? Or was it something else? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that would be an interesting thing to follow up on. I think that uh, it, it's certainly a good thing, obviously. Um, you know, the, the stability of the franchise is a big deal. And the fact that the franchise is stable, I think that winds up helping the company, um, you know, Ozinga, uh, <laughs> helping them uh, a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of their marketing strategy. It's very easy to, when you have that anchor in terms of marketing, then you can kind of build upon that and play upon that. It certainly is. And also just uh, quickly, just as a reminder to everybody, the Windy City Thunderbolts do play, as one may guess, near Chicago. Uh, they're in the neighboring city of Crestwood. However, they are part of the Frontier League, so it is kind of like, uh, and as you're going to see in the uh, video I'm going to put out, the Independent League video, they're kind of, I would put them at least on that third tier of the uh, Independent Circuit there. Or they, not even the third tier, they'd be the second tier probably, actually. Right. Because they're kind of like a Midwest Can-Am League type Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're mainly for first-year players, college players coming out, guys that are on like kind of a last shot type deal. Yep. So it's not like like you're gonna get like that TD Bank kind of sponsorship. You're gonna have to rely on like these kind of big brands and small markets type deal. Right. Yeah. Not not the more nationally known brands, but the more locally known brands. And I think that's very helpful for both team and uh and and the organization there because and the company because the company 
uh, gets its you know its naming rights on there and it helps their marketing. And also it shows that the team is willing to be in the community and be engaged with businesses in the community. It certainly can be symbiotic, and I definitely think that's something to look forward to. But just to spice it up a bit, I wonder if uh, the reason they didn't keep it Standard Bank is just because they did have to do a lot of upgrades in the recent past. Uh, they upgraded the state, the uh, scoreboard, they put an artificial turf in, they expand their playground area, and they also put in more protective netting, which is always nice to see. I mean, I'm maybe not the biggest fan of protective netting, but I understand why it's necessary, uh, especially when you have a lot of young kids and older people that are going to these games. It's very easy for one of them just to get, you know, hit by mistake by either batter or foul ball or something like that. So the netting is important there, but... Yeah, de- definitely a good thing to see that, that they're adding the netting. But, yeah, so I think that um, it, it absolutely needed to be paid for. And I think if you look mm. at these things, you know, in, independent league teams need finance. And, fi- you know, money is their, their number one uh, issue in terms of running mm. independent league teams uh, and, and where that revenue is coming from. And I think the naming rights is a great way to do it, a great way to go about it, because it's such a niche thing that can really help, uh, you know, help, help, uh, help companies. So I think that, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, one of those things where, also, the egos of people running companies, they go, oh, yeah, I want my company's name on there. Exactly. Uh, it's, a, it's a trophy almost. Right, you know? yeah. yeah. Which, I will say, as we said before, like especially when we were talking about McCoy's name a couple uh, weeks back, yeah. we do like when it keeps the charm. Absolutely, yeah. We, we love the charm. We're all for the, the nostalgia yeah. of America's pastime. I'll say that right now. Exactly. Like Everybody likes when it's Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, Fenway, or not, Wrigley Field, Dodger Stadium. Yep. Like, they don't have that corporate sponsor attached to it. It gives it a certain type of feel to it. It does, but, but you understand yeah. why it has to be like that. Like I'm pretty sure across all of independent league baseball, with really the exception of like Can Am League, most leagues are entirely full of just corporate name parks. Yeah. So I'm trying to think in like the Can Am League is how many parks actually have corporate sponsors? Uh, I know Rockland does, because it's Palisades Credit Union. Yeah, Rockland does. Uh, Ottawa may. Ottawa might. Um, I'm not sure of, of uh, Chabot, if that's supposed to be in... Like, I know Chabot is a name. Right. I'm just not sure if it's like the name of a company that was named after a person, or what it is. Right. Uh, Skylands is Skylands not a name. is not, yeah. Skylands is not after anyone. Nope. As we know, Yogi Berra is not. Nope, named after Yogi Berra. <laughs> now, I don't believe either of the Quebec teams is. I'm pretty sure it's just the Quebec Stadium and whatever uh, Three Rivers is. Yeah, yeah, it's Three so, Rivers. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the other thing I want to talk about is the name Thunderbolt. I really love this name. I just want to say that. I just thought that that was really cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, they really played into like the kind of uh, weather aspect of Windy City Thunderbolt. So you yeah. have like, a kind of storm feel going. That's very cool. I do like that. I like, yeah, I like the Thunderbolt name. And I saw it, I was like, oh, there we go. Now that's a name that I can work yeah, with. Right yeah, that's why I like, especially in Indie Ball, is when you don't take, like, the geographical name, kind of just like the, the nicknames, like Windy City there. Uh, let's see, that's another one that's pretty good with it. There's not many that do it anymore. Right, yeah, there's not, there's not a whole ton that do it, yeah. Yeah, but I really do like when it happens. Even like you get the play, like Milwaukee Milkman was nice. Nah, yeah, Chicago Dogs is good too because it just kind of nice flow to it. Yep. But I do like when they go ahead and do the the actual team name type thing. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fun there. Great name, Thunderbolts. Which, by the way, if any independent teams are listening, you're looking to sell stadium naming rights. Give me a call. I want to see how much I can. I, it will cost me to get 
Indie Ball Indie Report. Indie Ball Report or, Stadium. <laughs> Indie Ball Report Field. Indie Ball Report Field. Ah, there you, you go. gotta keep field, because that's the unique thing to baseball. Right, yeah. Field or ballpark. Ballpark could also work. Or if we just want to take the uh, high point model, we just go Indie Ball Report Point. Yeah, Indie Ball Report Point. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's a point, but you know. Yeah, it's point. No. So I think we, before we go off the rails on it, I think it's time to just move to our, <laughs> our grand topic of the day in Marshall University Stadium. We are Marshall. As we all know, Marshall University, part of the NCAA, because we knew they were going to come up again today. The Thundering Herd. Yep. We are in Huntington, West Virginia. Second biggest university in West Virginia. Obviously, West Virginia University being the, uh, the main one. Yep. Better known for their football program, but they are. still, and basketball is not bad there either, but they are getting a baseball stadium. Ooh. Or at least that's what the deal is. So, Marshall and the town or city of Huntington agreed to a land deal for a baseball stadium. The deal is worth three quarters of a million, so 750000 Marshall's AD, Mike Hammock, did say he expects it to be 3.5,000 seat stadium and open in March of 2021. When he was asked about this, because I did do my due diligence and grab a quote Ooh, from quote. from uh, Mike over here, and he says, "quote That's a very ambitious timeline, but we believe that can happen. It'll be a Tom Stadium in the state of Virginia and one of the top twenty stadiums in the United States." Wow! So he's that's a big claim. Yep. Well, I mean, the cost is estimated to be around eighteen to twenty million, so nineteen million, let's say. Yeah, they're putting they're putting work into it. Yeah, no, he's he's spending money on it, so I expect it to be nice. Uh, yeah, I mean that's really good. I mean, that's great for for the expansion of independent league baseball into into West Virginia. It's gonna be great. Yep. And and on that point, for those wondering why are we talking about college baseball, it's not indie league. It's this second quote which got us interested. Piqued our interest. Yep. I got a call three years ago from Mike Lee, Commissioner of the Frontier League, Williams said, referencing an independent summer baseball league with teams in Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. He said, I understand you're looking for to build a baseball stadium. We'd like to come in and talk to you. So that definitely says interest in the Frontier League, which, in case you don't recall, as we talked about, I believe, in our first episode here, which did get a bit off the rails, but it's still a good lesson, the Frontier League lost two teams this year, Traverse City and Normal. They definitely are looking at this. Now, I want to know, is this a bit much for the Frontier League? Commissioner Lee obviously thinks that they would be the crown jewel, which I would have to agree if it's going to be a top 20 stadium. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, obviously, I would assume, or take that quote to me, not including Major League Ballpark. Right, of course, yeah. I think that's kind of obvious. I think you more represent top 20 College stadiums. Collegiate stadiums and probably also top 20 minor league stadiums as well in there. Yeah, I imagine that's what you meant by it. But either way, it's very interesting. Because there's a lot of leagues I think that would like to go into West Virginia. Because they do have a history of this. Yeah. They did have an independent team a while back of the West Virginia Coal Sox that was in the Frontier League. Um, teams bounced around there too as well. So it would be very interesting to see how that could turn out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, e- even if the Frontier League doesn't go in there, something will. 
I mean, either it's going to be the Frontier League, it's going to be the Atlantic League, and their continued attempt at expansion. I mean, I can definitely see a league. I mean, I just think that the league is going oh, to go. No, no, no. It's too, oh, yeah, it's too great, especially with the college right there. You've got immediate fan interest. I mean, it, it, it's a perfect situation. No, it's almost similar to like a high point situation. It is very similar to a high point situation. Obviously, the difference is North Carolina to West Virginia. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a bit of a different figure, but even still, Marshall, you're going to still get that kind of the support from that university more than likely. Yep. And obviously there it's gonna cost nineteen million. Obviously the university's gonna need a way to pay for that. Yeah. And I imagine if you have a baseball team saying, look, we'll go ahead and pay like a sixty thousand dollar a year lease, similar to like a Southwest League only making payments to go <laughs> ahead and uh, you know, come in and help with the cost. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that's appealing. That's very appealing, and I, and I think it would be great for the university. I mean, you can see here how Yogi Berra Stadium, uh, you know, the symbiotic relationship between uh, Montclair State and uh, the New Jersey Jackals is really a, really a very good partnership that works out well for both uh, both the organization oh, and the school. Definitely there. So really the only question is what's going to go there. Obviously, if you have the, the college in there first, you're going to have to kind of play probably your first week or two of games on the road. Just to give time to prep everything, make it look nice again. Yep. And what league's going to go there is something that I think we should kind of talk about here. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's an Atlantic League destination just because of the market size. Yeah. I... Uh, Sugarland, you know, you got Houston right there. The rest of the teams are all kind of clumped around New York or, you know, southern Pennsylvania, southern Maryland, that kind of area. I'm not sure if Huntington, West Virginia is the kind of market they're looking to expand into. Well, I mean, you know, Lancaster isn't exactly, uh, you know, the bustling uh, metropolis. True, but it does either. have a lot of tourist revenue from sure. having Amish country. Right yeah, that, that is very true. Uh, <laughs> that is that is definitely true. Uh, I, I, but I do think that, uh, you know, it, it's a just because of the college, I think that's the X factor to mm. me. Uh, having the college there is the X factor because you're always going to have people on campus whether it be during the semester or in the summer, you're going to have summer courses and people touring. And it's, you know, all the, the, all the things that go into colleges uh, will be, you know, a great thing for a, a team. So I, I could see an Atlantic League, but I do understand that, you know, maybe... It, it doesn't look like it. it fits the mold there, like, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah, it is it, pushing it a little bit. It, it, yeah, because for most of them, it just seems like it's either near a major city or it's near a tourist destination. That right. just seems like where it's... Well, I mean, High Point isn't, you know... Yeah, true, but... Still, I think there's other locations that the Atlantic League would target first, mainly being Providence, possibly even Atlantic City, if that right. would come back. I think those two fit their mold I agree a with lot that. more. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Frontier League probably is the best bet, and then also I think the American Association could mm. uh, work American Association could be something there, too, yeah. yeah. That would be interesting to see, just because, well, then they did replace uh, Wichita with Milwaukee, so it would, you know, kind it of would, out of yeah, balance there. Yeah, could, but, but, I mean, you know, mm. certainly... Certainly, leagues are looking to expand all the time. True, true. A Can Am, if you want to look at too. Can Am would be one to look at too. I mean, that would be really great for the Can Am League. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it would be the definitely the biggest, and it is yeah. the only thing that does spook me about it a little bit. Is it's just way out of the way of everything else. Yeah, that I agree. The thing that kind of you know negates it. I think uh, if Batia were to move to Providence, I think Batia would be where the Can Am League looks to go because that seems to they're mold a lot more. Yeah. Than uh, the Marshall scene, but I think Marshall's definitely going to get a uh, indie ball tenant. I don't oh, see any way that that's not going to happen. Oh, that's yeah, absolutely, and, and I think uh, I think that'll be great for that area, definitely for Marshall. Uh, you know, certainly 
uh, students, you know, a little bit of time in, in the in the spring semester and in the fall semester. Uh, the little bit of time there'll be overlap there that'll be great for the students, and then anyone staying over the summer that'll also be awesome. Yep, of course. I think that's definitely gonna be something that that you know, has to happen there. Oh it's yeah. Too much of a draw. Plus, the fact you're gonna probably get some easy revenue from that right there. Oh, I mean, no doubt. Especially like when you have that first brand new class of freshmen coming. It's something to do to kind of get out into Huntington, kind of see around. It's something to just go about and experience, too. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And the thing is, parents, when parents come to visit and all these things, it's going to oh, be, yeah, well, yeah, it's it's gonna be plus, great. Yeah, plus, it's, it's even an easy date night activity. It is too. an easy date night activity. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Marshall, we're, we're, giving you, we're giving you a tip there. <laughs> really, yeah. Plus, I mean, like the Frontier League, I'm selling this league for you, too. Yeah, here, we're, we're selling it for you. Come on. I mean, like, you know, this commissioner here wants to go ahead and uh, come on here. Give me a call, do an interview. Yeah. Maybe that could be something that'd be fun too. Yeah, you, hey, you know, we're not saying. Yeah, Mike Lee, come on. We're not saying anything, but you know, we're saying, you know. <laughs> and just as some housekeeping there, the one thing with the Frontier League, again, they have 10 teams right now. Right, they, yeah. Like I said, they did lose two, so well, this is two years out. So you would probably figure three years out for a team there, I would imagine. So it's enough time where you could possibly get another team in there too. I'm not sure if you want to do two teams in that short of a time for a league that just lost two teams. Right. But it would either be that or you feel the uh, traveling team for a little bit, which isn't really ideal, but, you know. Or they, you know, they, I mean, some sometimes team, sometimes leagues will throw themselves out of balance for the overall good of the league. Uh, so if they do wind up just going with the 11, I think it is a possibility. Obviously, it creates, It's not ideal. It's not ideal, but I, I think it just it because, be right, and just because of the revenue that it would create for the league yeah, to have yeah, this new true. stadium, I think, and the, also the press and all the things that it create. Uh, makes it a good destination. Um, but like you said, um, there's so many variables and so many leagues that exactly. will be looking can change at it. Plus, for all we know, maybe the Frontier League loses another team in this. Right, yeah, and it slides right in, yeah. I mean, anything's possible there. Like I said, uh, groundbreaking's not until March of 2020. They expect that, like we said in the, uh, in the quote and a little bit before that. In March 2021 is the uh, target date for the opening of the stadium. Bids for the construction will begin November of this year, 2019. So... We're going to be about two years out. It's definitely going to be something that's going to be monitored. Oh, yeah. It'll be on our radar. Yep, because it's definitely something that's uh, it's interesting, at the very least. Do mm-hmm. you have anything else to uh, touch upon? No, I think I think we're good. Just uh, keep an eye out for that article. Like I said, it'll be coming up Saturday and Sunday uh, to our friends across the border up north. And, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be a good article, and we'll definitely touch upon some, some great, great teams up there in Canada. And once again, we'd like to thank everybody for the support and apologize for our RSS feed that did go down. It's also an understanding here, and I think everyone from like the reaction we got online from it understands that this isn't easy. It's not just like three guys getting into a college radio booth just talking aimlessly about nothing with any purpose. It's kind of difficult to pull off. You know, you you gotta be the everything here. You gotta be the editor. You gotta be the producer. You gotta be the business owner. You gotta handle it. All of it at once. So yep, and we yep. love doing it, and we really appreciate all exactly. the support we do get from everyone for exactly. it as well. And we just appreciate the support; it makes it worthwhile. As always, you could find us on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod, on Instagram Indie Ball Report, www.indieballreport.com for all the show notes, polls, articles, the whole nine there. Uh, you can get the podcast on Podomatic, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and most places where you can find podcasts. Not Google Play, though, because once again, this week I was too busy dealing with the RSS feed going down to try with <laughs> Google. So, not this week, but you know, the usual suspects, you can find the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and just remember to play ball. <laughs>